0: It's real.
1: It's real. You know the deal. You know the deal. Hey, it's Shante. And I'm Natalie and welcome to What's the Deal, a podcast powered by the Norfus Firm. At the Norfus Firm, we solve people problems. We have the pleasure of working with employers all around the world on HR and diversity, equity, and inclusion issues. So we keep elevating cuz we have someone in person today. We're really excited. I was like we're going to introduce you, but you're going to sit here in the queue while we do that, but like, you know, Easy. here we are. <laughs> yeah. So, we have been on this journey around allyship. Mm-hmm. And when we we started the conversation, it really is with this baseline thought of why don't we work on Making sure the people who need allyship are incorporated into what allyship looks like. So, we've had incredible guests of all different backgrounds. Today is no exception. Um, very, very excited to have Clive Chang with us today. Uh, Clive is the president of Young Arts, which is the only nonprofit in the country that supports young artists across 10 disciplines. Super, super close to my heart. We've worked with Young Arts for years now. I have a young artist i'm an artist I was a an artist. artist you were a young shout artist in miami like,
0: magnet schools exactly yeah. <laughs> shout out to new world, <laughs>
1: new world School Arts, um and sure. so you know this is so special because we are so like tied to art yeah. and art doesn't always get the love it deserves and in some ways i look sometimes at artists as marginalized groups because you know especially in this country it's like you need to pick something more noble right you can't really be an artist that's not a job and i I love that uh, young arts unpacks that notion and really discards it um when we look at clive gosh i have three words that i wrote down when i think about clive yeah (laughs) you ready so infectious Mm. uh, tenacity and fluidity yeah and so Let's talk a little bit why. Now, the tenacity is like, I mean, you'll see he's infectious. He could, he'll,
0: he'll, he'll, he'll show so me that. That. I mean, just, you, he doesn't have to say I anything. Mean, exactly. I mean, I mean, like, <laughs>
2: infectious in the context of COVID is a little bit
0: scary. <laughs> Not that but kind of infectious, yeah. like
1: just that energy, but from, from, from a tenacity standpoint. So Clive was born in Hong Kong, moved to Toronto, didn't speak English, went through a whole grade of school without speaking English somehow. Um, But that's, I think, goes to the tenacity piece. Started learning French at nine. um, So multilingual, moved to the U.S., went to school in Montreal, convinced the dean of his school that he could do two degrees in five years instead of eight. I mean, just like we're going to get stuff done. Right. And so uh, you add to that. Being a very talented musician and I, I do have to tell a very brief story of we helped uh, in the recruiting process for for Clive to, to get the role and we do chemistry discussions shout out to really strong recruiting practices so you can see how people lead. Um, of course Clive shine, but then Clive also hopped on the piano. Like really just turn this into a full blown, you are gonna, you cannot hire anyone besides me and demonstrated
0: sort of the brilliance of, of his. Literally gave no option. There was, there couldn't have been a more perfect person for that particular job. Exactly. You were born for it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and so I, for me, that brings about this, this reminder when I think about all that you've done and all that you do, it really hits that point that we are not one thing. Right. You know, and that's where the fluidity, fluidity comes in, right? Business degree, worked in big business, also a professor, also a musician, nonprofit leader. Like, we don't have to be a thing. And I think that goes so well with, you know, what Young Arts does. So um, I'll turn over to Shantae. We, we love shared language, right? So we want to mm-hmm. start where
0: everyone's starting from a same starting point. Mm-hmm. Yes. So before we get into that, in your own words, because Natalie did a great job of teeing it up, I would love to hear you talk about you and what you would like us to know about you. And then we can get into the allyship discussion around how you define allyship based on your own lived experience and what allyship means to you.
2: Yeah, thank you. That is a very generous introduction. So thank you for that. <laughs> Truly, the only thing I would say, both in addition and as a framing tool, is that I approach everything I do as a human From the point of view of an artist Mm. and that extends to my role as a CEO of an organization Um, and I think of myself in some ways it's a little bit of an overused analogy but like somewhat as a conductor of an orchestra but not even maybe sometimes as a conductor more like an ensemble member who just tries to bring my my colleagues and peers along in support of a magical vision and and journey of an organization so that's what I would say. Um, I, I identify first and foremost as an artist and yeah. that, that sort of carries through everything
0: I do. Amazing. And so if you're thinking about position, like approaching the world from an artist's perspective yeah. and everything that comes with that, what does allyship look like in that framing?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I think of allyship on a few levels. Like first and foremost, the baseline for me is some demonstration that you care. Mm-hmm. Like to me, that's like, level one, right? Yeah. I think I would say, like level two is um, a consistent practice of proactive empathy. Mm. And I, like, I think that there's an important framing of proactive there because it's not just empathy, it's like a, a practice of doing it proactively, right? Yeah. And then, you know, I'm on my own journey on this spectrum, and I feel like the next level up for all of us is then to do all of that with the conscious consideration of power, of privilege, of difference, of how the world is evolving, how humans are evolving, how civic dialogue is evolving or not evolving. It's actually going backwards, right? So <laughs> um, so I kind of just think of it in layers Ooh. and in levels.
0: I love that you highlight that it's a practice. This that, that concept has come up in a couple of interviews that we've had, and it's this, this thought and this act of the constant, the consistent effort that you put into showing up in a certain way. Mm-hmm. And which also aligns obviously, obviously with being a musician, that's all we did was practice, that's all we do it is yeah. practice, right? So. The metronome to tick, Exactly. To <laughs> and constantly running <laughs> the exactly. scales and all those things. So um, in, in, what have you seen uh, in your experience in terms of folks practicing this, this proactive practice of empathy and how has that shown up in your experience and benefited you?
2: Yeah, I would say what I appreciate the most, and I don't even know if um, on, on the giver's end that mm. this was intended as specifically a practice of allyship, but I often love um, receiving questions that very much allow me to answer it from my own angle or for mm. just allow me to answer it however I want to answer it and less of a leading question, for example, instead of asking me, wait, so are you an immigrant? How's that, how's that affected you? Ask me, tell me, like, I want to hear about your life journey. Mm. And, and how's that just shaped what's important to you today? Not even like, how's that shaped what you do? Or how's that shaped your music making? Or how's it like, let me decide to talk about music making and not, don't prescribe it to me, right? So I do think that when I think back to some of the most, um, like thoughtful, whether explicit or unintended or, you know, um, um, somewhat implicit acts of allyship have come from those moments that just give me more agency as a person in how to respond.
1: Mm -hmm. So I think when you think about that, right, it's this layer. It's what we talk about. Actually, it's the beginning, like we're not one thing. And that it sounds like, you know, it's like when people are approaching you with, an empathetic curiosity because I am adding empathetic because sometimes people are curious in a way that feels like there's an ill intent intent behind it. Yeah. But if they're like, they're truly curious to know who you are and not a a component of you, that
0: sounds like that feels like a a form of allyship
2: for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You, you brought up the idea of agency. Mm -hmm. And, And that's really important when it comes to allyship because we've seen it show up where folks, um, it 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 sounds a little like maybe patronizing or patriarchal where folks try to put on you yeah. what they think you need yes. but in allyship there's this concept of agency and voice it's really really important um and so you know if we think about we, before we actually got started you shared an example with us of um something that had happened in a prior job situation where um there was a meeting and someone said some something off key, just again, music reference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did that. Um, and so, you know, it was, it wasn't about you, but you could, in a roundabout way, maybe it was about you. And so there was an opportunity for um, a discussion or for it to be addressed in a certain way for some, someone who's more of an ally, yeah. um, someone who could, stand in that space. Um, there was also a power dynamic at play potentially. Yes. So someone definitely needed to come in um, yeah. and at least hold space for a conversation that mm-hmm. needed to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What would you have liked to happen? Because it sounded like when we talked about it, it didn't turn out the way that you would have maybe yeah. preferred. Um, but how would, you would have liked, how would you have liked that ally to show up?
2: Yeah, and of course hindsight's twenty twenty. And also I've, I've changed since then and evolved since then. And I can also think of ways in which I feel like I would counsel my younger self to have mm. done mm. something slightly differently. But just to go back and, and like recreate the scene, this is my, my first job as an executive, right? This is like the first job that I would consider myself as having been part of an executive team. I was also the most junior member of said executive team of maybe like 12 people, let's call it. Um, um, I believe the only person of color The youngest, right? And so um, there were all of these insecurities that I had being in the room in the first place. Um, And then there was a moment um, where there was a a reference made that alluded to skin color, right? Mm -hmm. And I was the only person in the room that sort of that skin color reference would have alluded to. Mm -hmm. And the... um, I think the the room understood the situation enough to know that that wasn't an okay comment to have been made. The action at the time was deflection. It was like, "Oh, ha 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 ha, ha don't mind that person." Oh, ha ha ha. Oh, yeah, right, no, no, sweep no, no, it under no. the rug, yeah. Right. And um, I also just kind of froze. Uh, and when I think back to what would have been very powerful for me in that moment, I think it would have been for someone who was also in a position of of power to have directly directly acknowledged it, not in a dramatic way. Like no one needed to pound the table and say, that was made. I think I just would have appreciated somebody acknowledging in a matter-of-fact, rational, calm way that was not an acceptable comment to have been made um, and it shouldn't happen again. And then we immediately move on to the next agenda topic. Like right. whatever we were talking about, right? So just that, like, in a way, the least, the less dramatic it can, it is, the the better, I think, the sort of the way to address the situation, right? Like, don't make it a whole thing, right? Just yeah. like that's not okay. All right, let's move on.
1: So a couple <laughs> you know? follow ups there. So when you think about the 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 piece around freezing, you had also talked about that sometimes it takes a moment to like really recognize, like how it impacted you. Can you talk a little bit about that in terms of like you freeze, but, but, but then what?
2: Yeah. I think I described it to you earlier as like delayed onset. Mm -hmm. There's sort of like this startling moment of like what just happened. Mm -hmm. Right. And then only an hour later, do you realize wait a minute, that really bothered me. Right. And so I also think that's another, um, in the, I also think about this. It's like, I also don't want anybody to be angry on my behalf if I'm not angry in the moment, right? And so there is, that's why I say, let it be a matter of fact thing. Mm -hmm. Don't let it, don't let it be emotional, right? If, you know, also I may not have been the only person offended by that comment. So I also just, even if it was specific to my race or specific to my skin color or whatever, right? So, um, so many sort of layers, but... um, yeah, I do think all of us process uh, information and emotion in different ways and in, at different paces, and that's okay, too.
1: And I think that gets back to even a concept that we've talked about before with this idea of a delayed onset, is that it's not just the common itself, right? It's then the time you spend mulling over it later. And I think it's important for allies to understand that you know the job is not necessarily done in that moment, right? The hey, not cool, we're not cool with that, and moving on type of thing yeah. in the moment, um, that makes you feel seen and acknowledged, but it doesn't mean that you're not gonna mull over it again later, right? Because the sting you yeah. know, happened. That, I think the allyship helps to diffuse the sting. But then again, when you're like processing it later, because we've had those conversations where we're like, Wait, right? Like, yeah. is, wait a minute. Is, is that what they meant? <laughs> yeah. <Is this gasps> right? Yeah, and then yeah. you're like, because I think in the, in the, in probably in the human nature is you want to assume good intent, right? Like you don't want to come at it from, and also we're kind of conditioned to like, we've been, a lot of people of color, marginalized folks have been gaslit. That's not what that means, right? Right, And even that, oh, that's just how he is. It's like, okay, it's not cool. Like, I, I don't Regardless, appreciate it, yeah, right? So cool. there's a lot of these layers of processing that I think are important for, for allies to keep in mind too, because yes, you're doing your part, but recognize that may not be the fix, so to speak, yeah. because the person you're you're advocating on
0: behalf of may still be processing, because it's often not the first time. Yeah, right. And I, and I want to just, that after part is something that's really interesting for me uh, in this allyship conversation. So the thing happens, mm-hmm. it either gets addressed or doesn't get addressed in the moment, but then there's an after where you're mulling it over. Is there support that you would have liked to have had there? Or what makes sense? Again, this is obviously from your perspective, but from, if you're looking for support, what does that look like after an incident has happened? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I will say in, in this particular case, I did, I did receive an invitation of after support, which I think is the best thing. It's not a, you know, like I am going to help you now, Mm. right? It's a, let me know, you know, I, I I don't want to impose upon you, but I Mm. recognize that that may, that may have been a challenging moment. Take your time and let me know what you need
1: Mm -hmm. right, from me
2: or from whatever. Like, um, so I think that invitation is important right? as long as it's not, you know, a prescription.
1: Yeah. I like um, that, not imposing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That gets at what we're talking about, right? Like to not yeah. center yourself That part in the support.
2: Yeah. And I did want to go back to agency and that, the idea of imposing because I think of some other moments in my career where I think people thought they were really, they had the best intentions. I think they they were really intending to champion me and help me, but the execution was just a little bit of an imposition, mm-hmm. to use that word, right? For example, so wonderful, like Clive, we're going to have you present this, whatever, to the chairman. It's going to be wonderful. You're going to be great. And you're going to sit in this seat at the head of the table. Mm-hmm. And da da right? And, okay, that's great. I happen to not believe in that seat of the table. <laughs> I don't mm. like rectangular tables. I like round tables. Mm-hmm. Because at round tables, there's no explicit or implicit sort of like power dynamic. So we're sitting in a circle, right. kind of like in an ensemble. And I happen to, as a leader, wield my influence laterally. I don't wield it vertically or, you know. Um, and so my preferred seat is at the center of the table, pre- preferably at a round table. And I've achieved my best work, truly, from the center of the table because mm-hmm. that's where it allows me to bring together and and sort of pull out voices as they come mm-hmm. um, in support of making a decision or, or you know, um, moving forward on a particular topic. And so I think about instances like that. I also think about moments in time where, um, whether it's counseling me on being more the the code word is assertive. Mm. And I'm just like, I don't know what you mean by that. Like I find myself plenty assertive. (laughs) So what do you, what do you mean by that? And I do think there are some cultural Mm. uh, uh, behaviors that come into play that again, sometimes are imposed upon Mm. those of us who don't come, who are not brought up in a Western culture. Um, So in, in Asian culture, we are actually raised to, to pay deference to the elder Um, to pay deference to more experience and greater wisdom and, and longer lived experience. And I think we're conditioned to be much more active listeners before then we respond. And I think in a Western context, sometimes that just gets mis—it gets twisted into like meekness. Mm. It's like you're—you should have jumped in there. You like you should have spoke your mind and in the beginning. And it's like, well, should should should, should like really should? Right. Right. People and, shit all and, over
0: themselves all the time. Don't they? <laughs> <laughs> That's
2: a good phrase. And like in the moment, I kind of want to be like, so are you just? You, So your feedback is I should just be more like a white man, is that what you mean? Is that what you mean? So Ooh,
0: that is a whole other podcast. Yeah, right. We, <laughs> you're coming back. Yeah, definitely coming back because that is that is we we get encountered that a lot in terms of like this whole like white, white dominant culture yeah. and those characteristics and what that means and and all of that and so it's that's a really really important topic that you bring up.
1: Which is why when when I'm listening to this, it brings me back to like you know one of the big rules around allies or allyship is don't center. Mm-hmm. like Don't make it about like what you would do in this situation. So then that means that's what you should do, which should is such a terrible word for many reasons, but um, it, it's so binary, right? It suggests that there's only there's one only way to be and one yeah. way to do it. And so I think when I'm listening to you, it's like, no, but this goes back to the beginning. If you're curious and you're getting to know me, then you'll start to, through that process of trust building, understand that there are cultural differences in the way that you approach, right? This is that proactive piece that you're yeah. talking about, right? Yeah. Like, we're, we don't need to get to these moments of... Oh, you should have done, you should have spoken your mind. And because it's like then you have a better understanding of who I am, yeah. if you're really caring about me as the person. Yeah. Not me as the concept, right? Yeah. Because when you're thinking about it from that angle of you should have, it's like you're a concept as opposed yeah. to like a human being with your own ways of of looking at things. Yeah. So we have one last question.
0: Mm. Um but I feel like we could have 50 last questions No, you know we could keep going I was just thinking to myself like wow this could be ours <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> a multi-part series exactly. I'm into it yeah. <laughs> super into
1: it so uh, you had a quote you you had the to me one of the funnest intro videos as president like oh, the I the video it. you put together was so infectious mm-hmm. energy wise and authentic and it was also serious. It was this cool, like many mm-hmm. parts to it. And I, when I say serious, it was clear that you were going to take great care with this organization. And there was a quote that you made that I think is beautiful and also interesting to this conversation. you noted, um, I approach leadership from the perspective of a collaborative artist, much like an ensemble, different voices take turns coming to the forefront. When I read that after having heard it, to me, it's such a beautiful way to describe diversity, right? And that there's different voices, different parts that people play and diversity really in the the broad sense. And I know that diversity is very important to you. Um, And so when we think about that quote and that approach, do you see your leadership style as a form of allyship?
2: Yeah, I mean, I have to say yes, like truly... I'd like to think of myself as an ally to all, and you know we can get into another several hours of discussion about how one can maybe drive themselves crazy and spread themselves too thin mm-hmm. when they try to be an ally to every single, mm-hmm. you know, being on this earth. But I do truly, and I and I think you know our organization's about fifty staff, and I think I truly can be an ally to all fifty staff. Um, not to mention the, all of the brilliant young artists that come through Young Arts year after year and then through the rest of their lives. So I think it's a, it's a matter of understanding, like at the core, how do I best be an ally to myself <laughs> Then how do I exhibit reciprocal allyship, right? Because I think it's all, everything is two way. And how do I um, uh, uh, give that generosity so that I deserve it in return? And then, how do I, on a systemic level, just sort of like build out layers of 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 uh, processing structures and and sort of culture that can invite easy sort of like take down the barriers to participating mm-hmm. in this in this practice and just radiate it out into the world, and hopefully it will. Right? in some small way, help make the world a better place.
1: You said something really yeah. well, really impactful that I think is it also hits another point, the two-way piece. Yeah, Because we want to be careful too to say that marginalized people are not victims, right? We're not saying like, save us and we're infantile. What we are saying is that share your power, right? Mm-hmm. So if you see something happening where I'm maybe one of only in a room, the example from your meeting, step in. But if there's something you can do to step in for that person, That's that reciprocal piece. And we we do regularly. And I think that's sometimes where some of these conversations come, right? Like, we we push for the allies because the marginalized folks are typically working overtime in terms of trying to help a lot of different people across uh, different issues, right? So um, I appreciate that point, because I think we also have to be careful to say, we're not saying we don't have power. We're just saying, if you're in situations with marginalized folks, keep in mind, you may have a different or more elevated form of power than them. And then the fatigue piece. I I, I know I said last question, but I am going to ask you this (laughs) question. (laughs) So this idea of wanting to help everyone. And we've talked about this before because, you know, sometimes where where leaders can shut down is that because there are so many different layers to people where they grew up, the language they speak, their ethnicity, their gender expression, all of these different things that a leader might say, I can't, I can't be an expert in all that. Right. Even if they want to help, they might shut down. So what's your, what's your thought about that in terms of avoiding like exhausting yourself or shutting down because it feels like it's too much?
2: I think it's really just about um, not, I, I, I don't know if this will come across the wrong way, but if there is one really unique superpower in a person that I think that is underappreciated and I can help bring that out, I think I've, I've sort of demonstrated to the practice of being an ally. And I don't have to know every single thing about every single person but if I can just really at least attempt to have that one kind of thing, and, and I do think of this in that musical ensemble analogy of what's beautiful about a, a, of a musical ensemble is that there truly is when you're, when you're playing in it and it's time for like the cello to have its moment, there's a reverence to that moment for the cellist. Mm. And in the same way, I feel like in an organization like, there's this one really interesting context in which this particular staff member shines. Let's bring that to the surface and, and like give it its due reverence. Mm-hmm. And even in being able to surface it so that others can take notice, I think that's being an ally to like create the context in which you make it easier for others to observe and to see and to appreciate and to notice. I think that's being an ally. And so... I don't know. I feel like I haven't really answered no, question. No, that answers but the
1: question. It's a bite. Take a bite-sized piece. Yeah. That's how I, that's how I play that back. Right. What's the one thing you can focus on? And in your example of identifying someone's superpower, we've talked about this with a few folks that yeah. work for you. Like what's the thing seeing that in that person helps them to feel seen. And then it's not so much about, we have to know, your heritage and all the things which are great to know if a person's comfortable sharing but really this idea of i see you Mm -hmm. that's that's what that my takeaway is from that is Mm -hmm. that develop a practice of seeing people and it's going to be unique to how you lead but it doesn't have to be this i can do any and everything what do you think about that
0: i love i love that part and i also love the the idea of the ensemble supporting yeah that person or the, or the that part in the, in the piece yeah. <laughs> where it's either solo or it's maybe that, that, uh, those instruments have a, a really important part. And to me, I focus on my attention goes to how does the rest of the ensemble, the organization or whatever it is, support that moment. And so yeah. people are still playing. It's not like everyone's dropped out, right? <laughs> people are still playing. People still have their, there's harmonies. There's all sorts of things happening underneath to really allow this moment to come through and shine. And that part really struck with me because I think sometimes get to the point people see it and they're like, okay, this person has the floor and then that's it, let me back off. Yes. It's like, no, 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 you still play a role. And you, and it's very important to allowing that person to really fully shine. So Absolutely. I really, I really I love, love that. that. Okay. Yeah, that's great, that's
2: amazing.
1: <laughs> oh, this is always the hardest part because we gotta wrap no up. <laughs> exactly <laughs> so let's just play back here a few things that i think were really powerful from what we've talked about um i think the practice of proactive empathy is a huge takeaway here that practice we talk about it a lot we talk about it in, obviously being musicians we talk about that in terms of um mindfulness, breathwork, mindfulness. All of it, yeah it's something that if you don't do it little bit every day you're not going to be ever be super great at it, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like anything else. So, and being proactively empathetic is so action oriented, right? Like it allows you to that that phrasing just allows someone to act on it. Don't be an imposition. Yeah. So when you're offering up allyship, um, not putting it in a way where it creates more work for the person um, that you're you're intending to help or that doesn't consider them as a person. Right. I love this chair analogy of like culturally, I don't want to be at the head of the table. And so we should be able to find other ways to demonstrate power that are respectful of where people come from. Mm-hmm. And then that last piece of what we were just talking about around identifying one thing that you can sort of use as your practice, whether it's identifying um, a really strong talent in, in like a, strong skill set in, in, in your team and, and really seeing that person in that way and helping them see themselves in that way. I think those are three really powerful ways to uh, approach allyship that, that brings in the person or the group that you're intending to help. We love you. You're uh-huh. always oh, welcome hi, here. Thank you. Uh, we can't wait to have you back and stay tuned for more. We will be back.